Hey there, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast, a podcast where a bunch of theater nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. My name is Eric, and I will be your Master of Ceremonies for tonight's mid-season recap of Undergrad, a Monster Hearts tale. Previously on the first season of Undergrad, a Monster Hearts tale. The year is 1990, and the campus of Oakhurst, a prestigious East Coast Ivy League university, is bustling with staff and students alike. Amongst them are Evelyn Reed Wilson, the intelligent, no-nonsense witch who sells magical charms to aid in paying for her living and her education. Look, I can give you something to help you concentrate or help your memory, but you need to keep this quiet, okay? Don't let them know it came from me. Kane Kaufman, the infernal would-be film student with an extremely dark past and an evil companion. No, I, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Iris Greenwood, a peace-loving fairy royal who gets to experience Earth and the college life. Hi, I'm Iris and I'm so happy to be here! Dr. Elizabeth Egan, the vampire scholar who uses blood research for more than just academia. Hello, I'm Dr. Elizabeth Egan, biochemistry department. And Zach Wilder, the queenskin, a hardcore musician with a proclivity for drugs and a rockin' good time. Yeah, yeah, you think we're gonna get this done in like half an hour? I've got band practice, man. They each had their trials on their first day of school, but all five of them met at a welcome mixer party that ended in tragedy. A masked killer found their way into the gathering and began picking off students. The group had to use their brains and their brawn to outsmart the killer, and upon unmasking, the killer was found to be Coffee Bob, the seemingly kindly coffee shop owner. Before Coffee Bob plummeted off the roof to his death, he told the group to follow the rose, and implied that there was much more happening on the campus than originally thought. After the welcome mixer fiasco, the five staff and students were approached by a mysterious and powerful figure known as the Chairman. He recruits them all to join what is known as the Society, a group of monstrously gifted individuals to help them refine and develop their powers. I would like to welcome you all to the Society. This is a place where many like you have come before during their college time to harness and control their powers. So, shall we get started? But I'm already taking so much tests at school! Also, we all have powers? What are they? Yes. What are yours? Um, what, what is this all about? You said there were others before us. Yeah. Yes, I have had many pupils before, but never such as you with such complimentary, mysterious powers and, well, at a strange time on campus. I just have one question, man. Yes, <laughs> Zach? Do we get to eat more of this ambrosia shit? Because it's fucking tight. Coming <laughs> right up. Throughout the year, the group grew in their supernatural, romantic, and academic lives. Iris and Kane became a couple shortly after the welcome mixer. Though Iris's royal fairy status and Kane's demonic companion largely went unmentioned between the two. I know we only met, like, t less than 24 hours ago, but do you want to, like, you know, be t together? Oh, um, I mean, well, I've never committed to someone before, but... Sure, why not? Let's give it a shot. What could go wrong? 
Dr. Egan continued her blood research with colleague Dr. Jeremy Renner. When the two weren't breaking the boundaries of science, she found herself feeding off the good doctor. Jeremy, I was wondering if you'd like to come over to my place tonight for a drink. Throughout the semester, it was revealed that Dr. Egan was in fact a 1,500-year-old being by the name of Baumel, cursed with vampirism by the vampiric Lord Abertok and enshrined in immortality by the juridic arts of her father in his dying moments. Fast forward to our 1990 present day, and Dr. Egan discovers that the vampiric Lord Abertok is in fact the angel investor in her blood project. That's because he knows her experiment's true purpose to cure vampirism and end their immortality. He claims he wants the formula for altruistic reasons. That remains to be seen. I realize that for now I <clears throat> need your help, but you will never get control over this project. Deal. Do we have an accord, Barmel? Yes. Evelyn found herself at constant odds with arch-rival Maddie McFinfan, a library co-worker, while constantly trying to make more money to take care of her cat, Whiskers, and keep a roof over her head in the dingy dorm, The Roots. Really, Maddie? You really want to do our final project on Richard Simmons? Oh, yes I do. And you better not fuck it up. <sighs> Look, I want a good grade as much as you do, so... Okay, let's do this. Our AV club found themselves in a whirlwind of a first semester. One of their adventures brought them to a frat party where they met a poltergeist named Rufus. After freeing the ghost, a grateful Rufus told the group that an old series of tunnels exists under Oakhaven, where he used to party while he lived. Its distinctive marking being a rose. Over Halloween, the AV Club had to stop the demon Sam Hain from being summoned to the Material Plane. Kane's dark power insisted on it. Me and Sam Hain have a history, Kane. He is the embodiment of monster kind. We cannot allow him to ascend here. <laughs> Sam Hain was summoned by accident by Johann von Boss, arch-rival to Zack, using a cursed fiddle. The party's chaos also affected a student named Silda Addersworn, the heir apparent to a now impoverished serpentine aristocratic family. With the group's courage and Silda's family connections, they were able to banish Sam Hain, but not before the Halloween demon implanted a small part of him into Iris. Though not an issue until next Halloween, when Sam Hain is powerful again, Iris must live with the anticipation of something evil in her future. Kane, she has a part of Sam Hain within her. Next Halloween, <laughs> things are going to get very interesting. At the end of the Halloween event, Silda, Zack, and Alexis, one of Zack's bandmates, found themselves in the passions of intimacy. Later that evening, Alexis stole Silda's family locket heirloom and delivered it to the mysterious figure named the Pale Mare. Thank you, my dear. My master... My god will use this locket well. <laughs> now go. To this day, she has not yet told Zack about the interaction. It is clear, however, that the Pale Mare is involved in pulling the strings for all of the dark events happening on the campus. 
As the malevolent plots and dark energy begin to permeate through the very ground of the campus, our heroes found that a portal in reality was opened. It in fact released a pixie from the Fey Realm that Iris hails from. It's set to creating as much chaos as possible, body swapping Zack and Dr. Egan being its crowning achievement. When they trapped the pixie and sent it home, it confirmed the group's suspicions that the energy flowing beneath the campus seemed to be tainted. The AV Club believes that there may be a connection between Coffee Bob's Under the Rose Clue and this dark energy, and that Coffee Bob's, now Coffee Josh's, owned by an individual named Josh after Bob bequeathed it to him for no apparent reason, could be where the rose lies. Guys, I think we need to go to Coffee Josh's. I'm, I'm a positive that that is where we need to look and we're gonna get some answers. Who's with me? I knew we couldn't trust him, I'm in. Well, we don't know how much he knows, but I think it would be a good idea to investigate. You're, you're sure, Iris, that the rose could be there? Nope, but I think it's a good place to start. All right then, let's head over there. All right, sounds like coffee's on Iris. While Dr. Egan and Zack were body swapped, Egan focused on working on a viable vampirism cure with Zack's help. Unfortunately, this act caused Zack's band to be locked up, and they had to rush to the police station to break them out. Egan and Zack, using their burgeoning powers to destroy most of the evidence, break out the hive band, and make a clean getaway. The only flaw in their nearly perfect plan was that Sergeant Bull Steel, the thuggish and cruel campus policeman, happened to be in the evidence room at the time. He was able to stop the evidence from being destroyed, especially the key piece of evidence, a drug journal, in which it had a name inscribed, Abel Granfield. Zack and Egan found their mutual trust shattered when Egan attempted to hypnotize Zack and make him forget the cure for vampirism information. Though she failed, Zack felt endangered and went along with it. For now. You will forget everything you saw here tonight. Do you understand? Yes, mistress. Good. During this time, Cain's life had been run entirely by the demon who owns his soul. The demon, now going by the alias The Bestie, and taking the form of a boy in a prep school uniform, controlled every choice Cain made. So what's the price this time? <gasps> Cain, I am so hurt. You always think I want something from you, silly, but that's not true. Sometimes I just like to be here on campus and meet all your friends and be able to cause pain and misery and suffering and torture and death. All right, I get it. I get it. <laughs> the bestie set Kane up with a job on the homage horror film being filmed on the campus and having him promoted to the director after the director's untimely and supernaturally driven death. Finally, Cain could no longer take it and resolved to free himself. After consulting Evelyn on various dark magics, Cain resolved to create what is called a tether. Look, Cain, creating a tether is the darkest of the dark magic. You have to kill someone and eat their heart and then do a blood ritual. Please promise me you won't do that. To begin the dark magical ritual, Cain tracked down his floor mate, Abel Granfield, killed him, and consumed his heart. With that dark magic conducted, Cain bound a part of his soul into a diamond and presented it to Iris as a promise ring. This is, um, I wanted to give you something, and it's, uh, you could say a little part of me that I wanted to give to you. 
The revelation of this horrible act led to a schism in the group. For some time, Evelyn was the only one who knew about Cain's tether creation and took it upon herself to reprimand him. You selfish piece of shit. I can't believe you created a tether when I told you how dangerous it was. What I'm doing is not selfish, okay? It's for Iris. Thank you. You're putting the entire group in danger. That's completely selfish. What I'm doing is for the best interest of the group, I promise. She threatened Kane with telling Iris if he did not. Kane finally relented and confessed everything to Iris. The tether, the killing of Abel Granfield, and the horrible ritual he had to commit. Horrified, Iris demanded they visit where Cain dumped the body and give him a proper burial. Iris ended the evening by them going their separate ways, with Cain's future of their relationship remaining unclear. Iris, I love you. I know, but I think I need to be alone tonight. After being apart for some time, Iris and Cain decided to test the waters on getting back together realizing how much they love and missed each other. Though Iris has made a secret vow to the memory of Abel Granfield that she would banish Kane's demonic bestie at all costs. With the AV Club still fractured and distrust running high, one last danger presents itself. Sergeant Bullsteel, starting to uncover all the ongoings of the AV Club, vowed he would give anything to know the truth of all this campus death and mystery. The demon bestie heard his plea and offered the sergeant some help for a price. The walls close in around our Oakhurstians as fear, mystery, and danger manifest around every corner. And with that, we conclude our mid-season recap. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. For more RPG content, be sure to check out our Dungeons & Dragons campaign, Legend of the Silver Flame, and if you like horror anthology, check out Night Terrors, our anthology radio play horror series. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice, and you can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast. Without further ado, let's get back to Oakhurst College. Let's get back to undergrad. A Monster Hearts Tale. <laughs>